Hello and welcome to Datum. This is season three, episode eight. Ravi, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. It's been a it's been a hot minute. It's been a while since we last spoke. <laughs> All American now. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long while. Wow. I think the last time we did a podcast, coronavirus was just basically. I think we're about a month in. Yeah. Ramp. Yeah, I'd say that's just ramping up because yeah. typically in the UK we reacted late to everything. So a month in <laughs> was basically you know where we would have been right at the start, right? Of yeah. of things locking down. Uh, and and uh, fingers crossed. Now we're sort of on the other end of it. And um, we've we've seen the the peak of the trough sort of get flattened, yeah. And now we're on to the I think the tougher bit, which is sort of eradicating the disease, which is where the science kicks in, right? We've all been talking about the science, but now is mm-hmm. now when people actually have to find a vaccine. We have to still stay safe, make sure people are safe, and and a lot has changed in that time, right? It's a bit, yeah. It's, it's, it's there's a lot of vigilance that's come into it, but yeah, in in terms of uh, non coronavirus related things, a lot has changed. It has, um, it has indeed. <laughs> I guess, I guess the biggest news is that me and Tim are no longer colleagues. I know you absolute traitor. You decided <laughs> that you had enough of me, or you were either fed up of being in my shadow this whole time, so you decided yeah. to go somewhere else, right? One or the other. That that consultancy <laughs> line was uh, a bit too formidable. I was never going to catch up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm no longer working for the Information Lab. Um, as of the first of June, I am now an employee of the City Football Group. Uh, many of you people listening will probably know that I'm su- I've been super into sports analytics. In fact, that was my route into the data and Tableau world. So yeah, this was almost the, it was one of those, I guess it's one of those things where if, if I look, if I didn't take the opportunity in a year's time, right, it would have been a very what if situation, right? I think um, the, the situation itself and, and the role and, and the team that I'll be working is almost a perfect storm, um, particularly for me. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I th- you know, obviously it's sad to see a good friend and colleague leave leave uh, the company I work for. But at the same time, uh, it made a lot of sense. It's hard. It was hard for me to sit there and tell you as a friend not to sort of go for it, as it were, um, because yeah. it, it literally ticked all the boxes. And I knew how passionate you are about the subject as well. And um, yeah. you haven't sort of hidden that fact. So, yeah, the perfect role, a perfect yeah. role, perfect timing. Uh, great move, I think. Yeah, exactly. So, so the city is a really interesting company, the City Football Group. Uh, it's, it's, it's fairly unique. I think the only um, the only similar sort of setup is the Red Bull franchise, um, and they of course go across multiple sports. Um, so, the Red Bull franchise own uh, I think four or five soccer clubs around the world. So, New- they've got Red Bull New York, Salzburg, Leipzig, um, as well as the the Red Bull Racing Team. Uh, right, so, right. so, the City Football Group started after the takeover of Manchester City. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of years later, they start with this thing where they've started acquiring parts or whole of clubs. Uh, so currently, they're up to nine. I don't think they're done. Um, there's, there's a few. I think there's a, there's definitely a few more uh, places around the world to take over. But you know, the 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 fact you I'll be working with um, within the team of global football uh, in, in a stream called Football Intelligence, um, and my my role really is to start enabling and building that. The, all these clubs on an analytical journey where we start speaking the same language and building that data culture and you know primary starting to, starting around Tableau, but with, with a lot of scope to move elsewhere. So I think uh, having a data and tech podcast is going to be good fun uh, to think about the different <laughs> things that is going to apply to my world, right? So because um, you know things th- things that you're interested in, like wearable tech, start started suddenly becoming you know part of my day to day. So that's very cool. Uh, but the first few weeks have been good. It's, it's it's strange starting a new job in the same exact seat. That I left my old one. Right okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, you work from home, right? So yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. You've started a new place uh, while still in your pajamas and shorts. <laughs> whenever, whenever you get up, right? Yeah, to, to my new employer, that that is not how I started my first day. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw you on that day, Ravi. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was um, it was very good. So uh, yeah, it's been a first good good few weeks. I think I'm getting to grips with the the volume of data, but also the um the the different challenges there are and i think one of the biggest right. challenges i'm going to face is uh to not be the magpie like spotting every shiny thing in uh within the organization being like oh i can fix right. that with some data or like oh, i can quickly build a viz because uh, really the, the the role is about 10 percent of my time being spent building things and the rest yeah. is enabling educating and sort of um elevating the the data culture and the the data literacy and the language i think the really interesting thing is building that language and lexicon about getting people to start thinking about data as part of that conversation and not forcing yeah. it on them and like 
that's it's really really cool interesting thing and uh one of the things i'm excited to do is share that journey because um i really do want to share that that, that sort of thing because like, i've spent the last what 18 months um, yep. in that customer success role trying to enable lots of companies and saying these are the things you should do and uh, now it's time for me to actually do the things i was recommending <laughs> clients to do so. yeah you kind of locked into one place uh, to make that happen right um but I think it's also liberating because I mean you're you're very passionate about sports. So mm-hmm. when you're doing something you're passionate about, it's very easy for you to actually apply yourself and um sort of see see through that um that sort of newfound energy, right? And, and yeah. see it applied in something that I, I guess you've worked theoretically. You've also worked on it practically in lots of other sort mm-hmm. of organisations and in, in through your consulting background. So I think you're a bit being a bit unfair on yourself there. But um yeah, I think it's going to be a great great journey i'm looking forward to seeing sort of how you progress not just um you know in, in that company in particular but it's a whole new sector that typically i think tableau has always tried to make a big play into sports analytics and right. i've always i've always seen it as a really tough transition because actually sports analytics is one of the areas where um two things happen there's a lot of pro- propriety sorry i can't say that word let me try again there's a lot of proprietary i can't say it proprietary <laughs> it's a real Tongue twister. Propriety. No, I can't say it. Just proprietary. Proprietary uh, sort of analytics uh, involved. If you think of F1, for example, no two Mm. teams use the same analytical system to Mm. analyze essentially standard parts, right? Um, If you look at uh, football or if you look at NBA or any sport, every single one of them uh, invests in analytics as an internal mm-hmm. capability, right? Because that is a is an edge. And so that's going to be yeah. an interesting thing to sort of see, see you navigate. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like I can tell you today, there's going to be a lot of stuff that I can't talk about, right? There's going to be a lot of um, things that, you know, the the way that the group works and the way that um, my role will develop. Are you telling me we, we have we have a sports analytics professional on the podcast and he can't talk about his job? Oh, <laughs> What's I can going talk on about, here? <laughs> I, I can... Um, I can talk Man, about first you leave the job. company and now you're telling me we've got no content for the podcast for the next i don't know how long you're there it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be fun right like it's um i'm getting my excuses in early um, you are you are don't worry absolute... don't worry fans i'm gonna spend every episode trying to get something out of him so yeah i mean you're absolutely space? you're absolutely right like the 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 amount of uh, data we have um and the, the proprietary metrics we have means that we're not going to share everything but i think there is something to be said on a competitive environment um <laughs> open where... source <laughs> a competitive environment of people who um uh, are using data and i think a healthy competition is, is a good thing you don't want to be uh, the best right, in every right. field but uh so th- th- there is that education piece across the industry and i think um you know as you said tableau has tried to get into this field quite a lot and yeah, um, yeah. I, I, at this point in time i can i can still agree that tableau is the best uh, tool for the for the things we're doing like it's self-serve it's easy to use it's uh, rel- it's relatively straightforward to get started with um, the, the interesting thing is almost pacing and sort of making these things in, into bite-sized content. Um, so that's, that's right. really cool. Good. Good. I think it's going to be a fantastic transition. Um, looking forward to sort of seeing where you end up with that. Um, it's sort of happened very quickly since our last podcast, not least because I haven't actually put the previous podcast up. So if you're listening, <laughs> you're going to get a double whammy of uh, podcasts uh, in your podcast player of choice. Um and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing sort of where you end up, um, seeing sort of how you develop through the role. Obviously, I'll latch onto every single public bit of information we can share on the podcast. <laughs> so yeah. uh, be sure to get that. If you know Ravi, um, if you work in another club and you know Ravi, uh, maybe you're a new listener because you've uh, followed him since his recent transition. Get in touch. Let me know what you'd like to find out <laughs> about this guy. I will do my best uh, behind the scenes to to get some insider information. So I'll talk to you, Brian. You- I'll have words. Don't worry. <laughs> you're, you're an Arsenal fan, right, Tim? Like, I am an Arsenal fan. Let's just stop yeah. right there. Let's move there on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was the last score three 0 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it was. On. It wasn't good. On. It wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, but, okay. But one of the other things that that happened is uh, actually just today. So we're always speaking on Monday, the twenty second of June, twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we've both just stopped, um, hopped onto this after watching the Apple podcast, right? Right. So Apple Absolutely. podcast. Apple, the Apple podcast. Keynote. The Apple keynote. Yeah. Yeah. The Absolutely. Apple Apple keynote. This is this is this to me is like a, it's like what do you call it? It's a rite of passage. Every year, every single event, I will get on a stream. I think I sent you a screenshot of uh, me with 
the live stream on the left. No, I actually had the live stream on my iPad. On the left, I had the verge.com homepage, uh, like open up. And on the right, I was in a, a Google meet with a friend of mine in Amsterdam, Ben, who um, passionately loves Apple products. Uh, he works in advertising <laughs> and sort of... Um, uh, sort of creative agency space um, and so we always have a little chat about where the technology is going so that's like our opportunity to catch up every so often as well and um, we obviously catch up on other occasions but both of us have followed Apple products for a long while so this this was a very interesting keynote not least because Apple have announced that they're going to be moving to a new um, hardware uh, infrastructure which isn't based on Intel chips yeah 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 exactly they're, they're, they're developing right. their own chips in-house um, and I think the exciting part there is because of that there's no they're creating the entire ecosystem of hardware around that, which which is really exciting purely for the integration perspective on the software mm -hmm. and hardware that did they develop, right? So they'll yeah. be almost, because everything's in-house, you start to expect that things start to connect better, that there's faster performance, that transitions between applications, particularly native ones, uh, become easier uh, and more, more fluid. Uh, yeah, and, you know, they, it, it, go on. I was going to say the big winner there is um, a big announcement on The Verge already is that because they're transitioning to ARM, all those apps on iOS and iPad will just run natively. So you won't yeah. need to do any of the sort of weird things they're doing today with Catalyst. You'll just be able to just deploy them. And hence, now, they've changed the interface to look a little bit more like a, an iPad and iOS, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I was going to say, like, macOS is slowly sort of merging and turning into this whole one yeah. thing, which is iPad OS yeah. and iPhone yeah. OS, right? It's not, yeah. um, right? it's not a big standalone point and click here, almost stepping towards a two-in-one yeah macbook feel like right like we're gonna get a touchscreen macbook soon that it feels like or something similar yeah uh, but let's see i really hope we do get to that you know if they go in this direction and it makes it easy for me to pick up my ipad fire up tableau and then sit down open my laptop and just carry on as i am mm -hmm. then what this actually means is that i won't need my laptop because my ipad should have all the same capability as if not more my macbook if not more than than my macbook if my macbook is on an arm chip and so is my ipad why do I need my laptop? Yeah, right, right, right exactly. So th that that to me is the real sort of deal clincher here. If they're transitioning everything to ARM, what's the need of a you know uh, what's the need of a laptop as we know it? If you have yeah. an iPad device, you'd you'd understand what I'm talking about here. Um, so yeah, very interesting, very interesting time. But um, I think it's really interesting how Tim Cook opened the event, right? Yeah, no, I think the I mean the event itself was purely virtual. Uh, Apple were the one yeah. of the first to say. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, there won't be a WWDC this year. We're going to go purely mm -hmm. virtual. Everyone stay home at the very, very early point of the um, the COVID-19 um, pandemic. Uh, yeah. But Tim, Tim Cook almost, I think it was almost the most charismatic I've seen him, probably because of the whole, like, it's pre-scripted and pre-recorded. The transitions were great. I, I recommend watching them <laughs> because well, Apple did a, a very good virtual event. Um, but um, I, I think what, what Tim Cook opened with was a very powerful statement about the Black Lives Matter um movement right. and i think i think we addressed it really well right yeah i think so um i missed i missed bits of it but i think tim cook even during the um when the issues were going on i think he he himself is gay and so he's openly talked about the challenge um that you know people like him face in society and have faced in the mm -hmm. past uh, and he's talked about it in commencement speeches uh, graduation speeches for those of us in the uk um and he's also talked about how you know apple takes a stance on that particular issue and actively yeah. tries to sort of handle it I yeah and exactly and i think we know both, both of us are um, people of color um mm -hmm. part yeah. of the bame um group and it's, it's really good for uh, for I, I guess for me and I, I, I guess i speak for you as well to see people like that speaking openly about it and th that you know there are still learning that there are still things that they they yeah. can and will do better on um because mm, exactly. this isn't something you just fix overnight and it's not something that uh is is just a product of you know um someone was calling this time protest season uh you know last year there was the global warming protest and this is yeah. like well there's something very wrong and if these things are continually brought up then you know maybe it's it's it should be time for some actual change and some action being taken yeah it's more than just a season right it's um there's a there's a lot going on i think it will probably um it's probably worth going into sort of uh the the black lives matter issue in, in a little bit more depth because mm -hmm. i think uh, there's, a, there's a couple of angles i think one of the i got really frustrated over over a couple of different sort of angles um i have to be careful how i word this because um i did i did a video obviously if you haven't had a chance i'll put a link in the, in the show notes yeah. i'm not saying you have to go watch this video i'm just saying this is where i spent half an hour sharing my views um on, on the particular matter and i have to say Ravi, i got some really interesting responses um right. to say the least um broadly speaking a lot of people were very sort of um 
interested to hear my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I have to say I led with the fact that this video was shared in the context of an internal organization. So I shared this video internally to prompt discussion um, in the information app. Um, and it actually did exactly that. We got a lot yep. of um, good discussion out of it. Uh, my boss, uh, Tom Brown, he actually posted a blog post with the Information Lab sort of stance on on the issue, um, openly saying where we can improve, where we can do better, where our current sort of diversity sits. Uh, we, you know, we focus as a company a lot on gender diversity. And I think um, what we haven't done in that process is just generally focus on diversity altogether. Um, and so the first step of that has been about sort of collecting the metrics so we can more clearly understand whether or not we are doing a bad job because we can't, we can't, well, we can't practically say we are doing a bad job. And I don't, I don't personally think we are. We also can't say that we're not doing a bad job because we don't have the data to, to, to prove it. So collecting the data is obviously one, one really important step. Hearing the views of people in the company is another. We've, we've had sort of open forums where we've had opportunity to talk directly to the leaders of our company um, and in sort of very, useful settings normally these mm -hmm. things are done in sort of town halls but we've actually had them in groups of six and that means you can have meaningful discussions right because you are yep. they're much smaller groups it's actual people talking to each other and you get a lot more sort of context out of that and we've had several of those sessions that have been captured in sort of in various forms and you know as i said in my video these things take time uh you know we can be activists today but over time it's going to take time to see the the results of that because mm -hmm. there's a couple of things obviously you can move quickly and activism generally does promote that that's why we've, we've seen statues here in the uk going down and elsewhere in the world sort of getting defaced because that's something you can do immediately but when you right. need to change something like this at a, at a not just a cultural level but societal level and also organizational level and it's an issue that's not typically well understood leave alone well monitored then you have to sort of do things in a structured way and i'm not saying that that doesn't mean it shouldn't be done quickly it's just it's just an acceptance that we have to sort of allow a bit of time for people to sort of react and digest and people like myself are taking their time to share views so you also have to allow space for that right right um, for, no, that, exactly. for that to be considered right yeah exactly and i think that that's a really important point the, you know giving people the agency and the ability to um yeah. share their views but and, and i think well, as you said that there is there is an element of this being a cultural change uh, right. and the sort of the mindset um, I, I, I think we, we spoke about this um, before and uh, between us and we, I talked about like, well, no one really says they're a racist. Um, mm -hmm. What we're really talking about is racist, racial bias. And, yes. uh, you know, I, I think even if you, I'd even call myself out on, on a few of these things like there, um, I think given the, the environment you, you grew up in and yeah. uh, the, the views you hold, uh, there, there is an element of racial bias, even in myself and as a, as a member of the black and um, uh, BAME community. So, yeah, it's it, it's a slow process. I don't, I don't want to say a slow process, but it is a pro it is a process. Uh, and yeah. the best the best and uh, most progressive way I can think about it is having that open discourse and uh, challenging and considering the things that you do normally. I think um, I, I liken this to, in some ways, um, to you know the the, the feminist movement and people that are looking towards uh, gender equality and equality yeah. of all genders, uh, yeah. as well as LGBTQ. Um, because a, a lot of these things are fundamentally stigmas and things that have been attached over time uh, through many historical points and things that have happened to people and the sort of stereotypes that built over time. Yeah, I think all, yeah. all of these things, the, th the things we can do is just continue to correct and inform people about, you know, things that they might not be aware of. Right. For example, you know, the exactly, yeah. uh, one example that I, I call out quite a lot is the in the US. Um, you know, they, they, they often heralded in the 80s and 90s uh, the, the South Asian community. So my community, the people I'm of, I'm of Indian descent, they mm -hmm. went over to North America. Um, and it was a case of, well, you know, the, the people who are in the black community aren't interested as well as these South Asians. So, well, consider how these people were brought over, right? Like the, the black, black people were a product of the slave trade, whereas South Asians had a very strict controlled immigration based on high level of entry, right? So you're only... Mm -hmm you're being very selective in the people that are arriving in the country. So, you know, that, that level of selection means that there is an inherent level of bias. And I think yeah, that that bias, that bias that, yeah. yeah, exactly. And that bias gets built on and passed down through generations. So yeah. it's, it's an interesting, it's, it's a very strong discussion to be had. I think it's a very uncomfortable decision for many people, um, discussion for, me for many people, uh, but that doesn't mean it's not worth having, right? Like, yeah. And, in, uh, in, in, inspirational comments like you know the magic happens outside your comfort zone well this is also a very uncomfortable place to be in yeah. and you know for progression where you know we, we get to a point where these things 
I don't want to say stop mattering, but we start talking less because it becomes a case that the the the, the number of cases, the number of actions against um, people of a uh, minority start to decline. Hate crimes start to decline. Yeah, this is what you aim for, right? A level where this stops being an issue. You know, that, mm-hmm. like, I think you've seen lots of posts being like, you know, if you're, if you're fed up hearing about racism and Black Lives Matter, imagine how the minorities feel, right? Like this is this is day to day for many of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's it's such an interesting sort of, I find it interesting because uh, I feel like in the discourse, there's also sort of a lot of disagreement um, in, Absolutely. in and amongst the BAME community about how to go about this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of frustration, pent up frustration, but also built up frustration, not just over the last few months because of things like COVID, generations. which have which have, yeah. which have, yeah, which have disproportionately affected, um, you know, certain ethnic minorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also sort of the the reasoning and the sort of philosophy about that. Um, just to give some some personal examples, when I sent the video out, um, I got heard a lot of positive comments that people very grateful for sharing. Some people actually agreeing with their experiences. The one thing I was very sensitive and aware of going into it is that my my challenge with race and my issues with race over time are very unique to me because. Uh, they're, they're sort of things I experienced. And I specifically highlighted that I knew that other people have suffered worse racism, which is why I went through sort of this really bizarre effort of sort of distinguishing between bias and direct racism. I think that's exactly what I said in the video, right? And I think some people took that to mean that uh, bias bias in itself wasn't racism. You know, I heard, I heard some comments from people saying, look, it's all racism. And I, I fully agree. But then on the other spectrum, I got messages from people who went to the same university as mine who flatly disagreed with my experience of university, who said that, you know, university was the worst time they've, they've ever had in terms of experience, experiencing racial abuse. And that was, that was, those were comments about the same university I was saying I was really happy to go to because that's where mm-hmm. I found that I was able to sort of explore my own um, sort of identity and come out of a, of a shell as it were. And yeah. The thing is, I didn't make that video like with sort of ignorant of that fact. I knew that. And that's why I said very specifically at the start, this is my experience. And what I've gone through is mild compared to what others have gone through. And so it's been interesting to get it from both angles. I actually had quite a few sort of frustrated messages about the way I sort of recorded my video. And maybe some people didn't agree with the sentiment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I sort of said to those people, listen, this is my experience. Okay. Like, this is what I went through. I think not everyone can share it publicly. I agree. And not everyone yeah. has to, but I've got a duty to take some of that feedback on board and share that more widely. I'm doing that now, but I'm hopefully going to get opportunities to do that in the tablet community sort of coming forward, even though that was never, never a starting point. Uh, we'll come on to this in a second. I think the tablet community itself is probably another space where I could probably do a little bit more to kind of encourage the discussion and try and see, see what comes out of that to try and build something constructive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the representation matters, right? Like, there, there's yeah. been lots of like, if you think about um, the, you know, if, if we if we take this um, out out of the out of the conversation towards something a bit a uh, bit different in in terms of film, right? Like we talk about film in terms of uh, representation of women, representation of uh, different minorities within within the film industry. Um, mm-hmm. two, two examples I can think of in my, at the top of my head are Black Panther and um, Crazy Rich Asians, two films that came out in the last five years. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot was a lot was made of the the fact that you know the, these really matter because for everyone it, representation has uh, echoes in different ways. You know, Spider Man um, was it the um, out of the spy into the Spidey verse. Same yeah. same reason. Like you've got representation of black superheroes. You've got representation of um, a Asian front frontline characters yeah. uh, where, where it isn't pulling on racial tropes. Like these these things are progress. And I'm not saying that this is solving the problem, but it's it's things like this where everyone has a story and everything everyone has different touch points to relate to and that right. that's the that's the way you get true movement towards cultural change absolutely mm-hmm. there are things that have been taken on overnight you know actions to curb police brutality and the the, the level of um bias within the police community in general mm-hmm. um in in the us but in particular but also just being aware of those biases and making sure that people are aware of uh, and, and understand where these things come from it's not about necessarily agreeing with all things but i think yeah. having having those conversations and having the facts and the um in, in our world i guess the data points out there and being spoken about is exactly where you want to get to yeah exactly exactly and i think the final sort of um i guess it's not really a final gambit but the final sort of perspective to this that i found really interesting is that that the, there's an element to which um 
I said it in the video, there's a lot of uncomfortable discussion that needs to happen. And I think too quickly, especially if it's had on things like Twitter and sort of these social platforms that reward sort of short-term, quick, you know, power statements, right? Yeah. It ends up sort of going into this sort of very frictional discussion, right? Because uh, you can't pervade tone. You can't pervade yeah, tone and you can't yeah, pervade exactly. intent and you can't show that there is a level of humility and a level of, exactly. I don't have the answers, but this is yeah. what I see. Yeah, and so what ends up happening is you have a really difficult conversation in a public space and a platform that's not designed for that kind of conversation. No. Really, the best way to have this conversation is face to face. And, mm -hmm. you know, look at the situation we're in with COVID, right? You just cannot not do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's like the worst possible time for this kind of topic to, to come up. And uh, what people have to get really comfortable with and I say this to both sides of the argument, you know, people who want to know more about diversity and understand sort of the challenges of the BAME community, but also people from the BAME community themselves. What we have to acknowledge is that because of that, we're going to be talking on platforms and tone is going to be so hard to judge. I'm not saying we should be allowing of sort of um, disruptive behavior or disgusting behavior or, mm -hmm. or vile statements or just, you know, flat out ignorance that, you know, there's always a space where someone can do a little bit of upfront research and understanding on the topic before entering the conversation cold, which, you know, so, you, know um, <laughs> you know, that happens a lot in these issues where people make statements like that. I saw it on Question Time BBC just the other day, you know, um, <laughs> poor guy, but elderly gentleman just said, you know, I have views too. I was just like, oh no, don't, don't say what you're about to say. <laughs> it was so yeah. bad. It was so bad. And the flip side of this, listen, we have to, we have to allow people to make mistakes yeah. and then constructively tell them, listen, okay, I, I see your perspective. I see that. I know you may be not articulate with the way you're saying it. And maybe you're struggling to, to piece it together because this is a conversation that isn't commonly had. Mm -hmm. Look, this is how it helps. And you can often tell immediately if someone's just being sort of confrontational or if they're actually willing to listen, because if they're willing to listen, that conversation and that, that, that it'll, the effort to say that will be very easy, actually. You'll find it, it'll just come naturally to you, right? Mm -hmm. And I think those are the kind of opportunities we have to go and seek rather than everyone just assuming that, you know, it's an uncomfortable topic, let's not say anything about it. We really do actually have to go and find the uncomfortable discussions and find a platform um, if it's not on, if it's not face to face, we have to create those platforms. This is a time to be creating those platforms. Right? And I, th I, th I think there's also uh, the messaging element to that as well, right? Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. There's an element of how do, you, uh, what is the best medium of messaging? And I think there is no one right answer. Right? Every every company, every person, every community, every organization has their own different ways of communicating yeah. Yeah. that message, uh, and it might come in different shapes and sizes at different times, right? There, you don't need to be the loudest. Yeah be the loudest person at the start of the table right so yeah we need to give people opportunities to talk in a, in a safe place and um mm -hmm. another another sort of point i made is um there's an element of context i made this in the video again we have to understand the context scenario i think one interesting example i gave was in the uk i, I made a statement that uh you know black and minority ethnic um, individuals aren't discriminated discriminated by COVID nineteen, and what I what I explicitly meant in that in that comment is that listen, COVID nineteen, if you get it, um, doesn't discriminate on the color of your skin. If you get it and you have, you know, you're 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 in one of these sort of groups that's supposed to be staying safe, you have just as much chance of passing away, um, because of it as the next person with exactly the same conditions. Uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't discriminate on the color of your skin. Now that said. People of color and people from the Baymont uh, community have been uh, passing away in, in larger numbers compared yes. to other communities. And that's because of a lot of reason. Now, in the UK, I can say that, you know, access to healthcare isn't a major challenge. It is in another sense because uh, those from BAME communities don't often present themselves to healthcare um, professionals as soon as sort of um, non sort of BAME um, uh, in individuals and patients who present themselves to the hospital typically sooner, right? Um, but there's also the aspect that a lot of our BAME community work in frontline um, activities like uh, healthcare, um, like, you know, mm -hmm. security guards, taxi drivers, bus drivers. Most of those professions in the UK are actually occupied mostly by those from the BAME community. So they're also being discriminated in that sense. Now, that's a very different issue to... Um, to sort of the more direct sort of form of discriminations. And when we talk about policies to deal with that, that's it's a very sort of sensitive subject. Now I've probably worded what I've just said in an awful way. And I know someone listening will probably worry, oh my God, I can't believe what he's saying. But that's my point. 
this is a tough discussion. And if what I've just said to you, you find uncomfortable, well, that's exactly the space we need to be in. And that's yep. exactly the kind of thing you need to be educating me on a better way of thinking about that and saying that and vice versa. Um, you need to sort of listen to what I'm trying to say and try and see if there's a, a common ground or maybe there's something that I don't know. Or there's a fact I don't know. And sort of coming to the fore and saying, hey, listen, um, I hear you, but this isn't right. Here are the facts rather than just sort of saying, oh, I'm wrong. You know? Yeah. I mean, this this movement can't be temporary, right? This this is right. the key thing. It can't be a temporary movement. It can't be a case that uh, it's it's you, you, you what you're you what you're saying is taken verbatim and used against you it has to be a, yeah exactly yeah it has to be a case of let's translate and understand what the, what the intention is and have have that conversation because you as we know taking words and statements out of context does not yeah tell you anything in general at all so uh, as data people uh, we we, abso- <laughs> we absolutely need to think of these things in, in terms of the wider field yeah. right so, my only uh, my only wish with that video is i'd made it ephemeral i posted it on youtube say so. It's now there permanently. <laughs> my view, <laughs> my view in, in two years changes or gets better or whatever. I've still got a permanent like view of what I thought. So I, I'm, I'm probably going to update I it think with that's comments okay. over time. Exactly, I'll, I'll update it with comments over time. I'll just add something in the description to say, "Hey, listen, okay, this view has changed, and here's what it is." And if people take it, take it. If they don't, that's fine. But I'm also not. I'm not. I'm not. You know, that's what I said, and that's what I said, and I'd like to leave it there as a record of that. Um, yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. I think one of the other things that was uh, talked about, um, I guess this is more of a specific topic within the Tableau community, is right. Um, this topic isn't like everyone is scrambling to get data on um, coronavirus and COVID nineteen and publish yeah. their their sort of take and their live tracker, as it were. Um, the scramble to get information and find data around this topic was, I think, few and far between. I think partially ah, due to. Right. I'd go as far as saying virtually non-existent in the it was silent. It was very silent. S- scheme of things. Um, and, you know, a couple of people made this comment to me, actually, in, in sort of private chats, um, are, you know, respect those people's privacy. So I won't share it, who they are here. Um, but it's not a it's just a view that was sort of commonly held. And I think that's there's two reasons. And I, I don't want this to be to be um, sort of a criticism of the community, because no. I think it's symptomatic of the wider problem we have. I think um, it's part of that conversation piece, right? It's, it's a difficult yeah, conversation. Exactly. You don't exactly. people don't feel. It's funny, right? People don't feel like they're entitled or have the knowledge to speak right. about that. But then at the same right. time, aren't epidemiologists to talk about COVID-19, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And it's it's that sort of um, it's that sort of space. For fear of doing something wrong, you're doing nothing. And again, I said this in my video, you know, silence is exactly where these things perpetuate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not enough being done there. I think there's also, there's this sort of dialogue about why is it always those from the BAME community who have to step up and represent mm-hmm. themselves in this in this in this instance? And I think I agree with that to an extent. You know, I I do agree. Yes, it's always sort of the responsibility of those in the BAME community to set up, you know, get on these panels and talk about the experiences, right? And um, the work is always sort of put on those uh, who are maybe um, in the less fortunate position. But I'd also go as far as saying, well, there is an element of we do have to do that because we need to articulate what we experience because it's not a common experience for most people. Yeah, We're in the, in the minority in that sense. Um, I say that even though there's a large amount of people who you know have experienced it. I really liked something that Channel 4 did. I'll put a link to it in the notes. Um, when we used to have the Thursday clap for the NHS, the NHS is a healthcare provider in the UK. Every Thursday at 8 p.m., we did this thing during coronavirus where we clapped the healthcare workers who were working there just two minutes before eight o'clock. I think at eight o'clock for two minutes. What Channel 4 have done um, is immediately after the news, they've actually inserted this five-minute segment, and they did it for three days, where they took four people from the BAME community of different uh, social classes. So they had an actor, they had a middle-class professional, they had Mm -hmm. someone, um, just a working-class individual, um, and then they had someone... um, uh, one other sort of professional. Anyway, they had really good spread of people. And for five minutes, for one minute each, and they cut it into sort of 10-minute segments, they each talked about their first time they experienced racism, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was very, very good because it just showed you, all of them were talking about experience throughout their lives. So some, so one person experienced it when they were five and they remembered it to this day. They're now getting sort of uh, treatment for it um, uh, in terms of mental health treatment for it because it's something that's actually Therapy, perpetuated yeah. to their life. Um, another one was an actor who at 18 got into RADA, was performing really well, and people were making jokes on the side. Um, another one was a, a 10-year-old kid um, who's now an adult, you know, in her 30s and 35s, talking about it for the first time since the Channel 4. 
Um, and it was really beautiful because they were going all the way. They were using the N-word all the way through. Um, I won't say that on the podcast because Apple will, will hunt me down. <laughs> Maybe that's a discussion we need to have, you know. Um, and it was a really sort of powerful piece because they were mm-hmm. talking raw about the topic. It made you feel uncomfortable just listening to it. It made you want to do something. And I mean, I watched it and I looked to Brie and you know, she was looking at me and it, it sort of fostered that exact response. We're kind of looking at each other like, are you hearing this? And, you know, and it's great to hear that because that is a sort of, that that is the extent of what's happening mm-hmm. and it's not happening in small instances and people are finally getting the courage to talk about it just like in any other scenario you know i think that, that the, the powerful thing there is almost everyone of uh of a you know bame background can point to that first time yeah right where they where they experience some level of racial bias or racism yeah. and it's it does affect you right it does affect you in a way that you don't expect and and almost there's almost a lag as well when you're growing up because you don't realize it until you're a bit older and then like damn that was that was not okay from whatever happened um and that that's where it starts to affect you um yeah. and you know there, there are different conversations that happen in households um where, where people are of minority right conversations and things that um you know other communities can't fathom so yeah Exactly. Um, you know, experiencing racism as being part of the fabric of people's lives. That's literally the mm-hmm. channel for um, uh, sort of, you know, quote from from an individual they spoke to, uh, actor David Howard. And it's a really interesting sort of um, uh, sort of thought thought exercise I think everyone needs to do. They need to set their own context. Um, yeah. But also more broadly, I think it's a context we need to bring to organizations. I, I think I think you know, people ask, well, how do I know if my company's doing the right thing or not? How do I know if the company's on the right track? What I tend to say on this, and I've said this sort of loosely, as someone who's not a professional at this, who, who doesn't have any experience of this, what I'd say is, listen, if your company is struggling with other diversity issues, like gender diversity, or, um, uh, you know, people sort of LGBTQ, struggling to LGBT, yeah. yeah, to express them, you know, their sexual preferences, um, really struggling to come out with those kind of things. Or maybe you have um, really poor sort of levels of sort of diversity in certain aspects of your company, whether it's through hiring. Uh, and you're openly aware of that, those issues. Maybe gender diversity is an example is an issue. Well, the likelihood is, is that those those challenges in diversity are probably also relevant in this BAME topic. Yeah. And in the same way that you sort of passionately look at those issues, you have to ask yourself, why have you not looked at the issue of um, black and minority ethnic individuals and how they're yep. represented in your organization? Because just as much as those issues have been on a journey for the last, I think, decade, yep. um, if, if, I, if I'm brutally honest, in sort of you know broad society, well, that decade is a decade that hasn't really been experienced in some cases. And every company is in a different place. Uh, you know, I say this from the information lab perspective. I think we're in a good place in some of those other areas. We're not perfect, but we're definitely everyone can, this everyone, uh, sector yeah. of the trend. Yeah, yeah, and everyone and so, can do better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we can always do better, and that's the thing. You have to know where you're starting from to know yeah. where you have challenges. And so, if you're still tackling gender diversity or um, you know sexual um, preferences in your organization, then this is likely an issue that you're probably not even aware you have, right? Because yeah ironically this isn't in in terms of the order of sort of um challenges that companies take it tends to go in that order right yeah and, and that's an interesting one and, and i've always been a i think statements that often boil my blood and sort of get me going and really irritated are when people start to rank diversity right like mm-hmm. as in yeah yeah, yeah if yeah, you yeah. can't get yeah. this diversity right what's the point of even bothering with the rest like yeah well no surely you should be thinking about all of them and it's it's a it's such a different discussion and all of these things should be on the same level. And of course, some, some may seem more prevalent and more important. Um, but having all of these in discussion is, is important. Particularly, I mean, but as, as we've mentioned, the, this is this, the black lives matter and the BAME discussion is one that should continue. I don't think it should yeah. stop. And I don't think it should be um, sort of separated as an anomaly um, because it should be part of every conversation. Yeah. Um, and I, as I said, as we've mentioned through this thing, I think um, we, we really want to make sure that, and we encourage space to have this conversation. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a really deep topic. Um, 
I'll, I think I'll apologize up front if, if we've made anyone uncomfortable or unhappy about what we've said. But what I'd encourage you to do is to reach out and talk to us. I think yep. lots of people have reached out and talked to both of us. We've both been involved in discussion offline mm -hmm. to entirely different groups of people. This is the first time you and me are talking about it, right? I mean, we've talked I, on I think, WhatsApp yeah, we, we, and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Talk, talking openly about discussion it openly about it, right? Yeah, and, and I think that a lot of this is ad lib, and you know, this, we've not we've not got a script or any idea of, um, of where this is, is going. Ravi, the whole entire show is ad lib. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> right? There's exactly. No script so, in front of us right now. <laughs> there's no, there's no script. There's no, there's no structure. So of course there Come are going to be with a, sort get of, with the show. Jesus. <laughs> as we mentioned about the the language point, like the, the language we speak is important, and of course we may have made some discussion, but. You know, right. we're always open to have that conversation. I think that's what right. we'd encourage. So, uh, if yeah. you if you do have a bit, uh, things to share or uh, things you'd like to talk about, please do reach out and um, please do get in touch with us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and so yeah, I, I think you know I, I just want to finish on this point of the video I shared. I I shared a video because guess what? Video is something I'm really passionate about. Right. So I actually wrote. I, I said in the video I wrote it all down, and then I thought there's no way I'm posting this anyway because who the hell is going to read? Um, you know, five sides of A4 written by someone who's never written anything in the public context. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and the platform I, I do know a lot about and I can communicate well in, I think, is video. So right. I literally took what I wrote and I said, okay, how does I, how do I make this a video? I changed the structure, I changed the order. And then I just sat and talked to the camera for what I thought would be 15 minutes. It ended up being half an hour. I didn't edit it. I just thought, ah, you know, this is too much work to edit it out. And you can tell when something is edited and polished. I didn't want it to be that. So I just said it and I was done. So it came across yeah. very authentic, right? And I think that, that yeah, was the sort of message you so. went for. Yeah. yeah. And so, listen, if you don't feel comfortable doing a video, that's also fine. You know, I didn't do a video because I'm saying everyone should do a video. Uh, I also don't think everyone should be public about it. If it's some, if it's if they've gone through a traumatic, it's a very personal thing. Yeah, it's totally up to the individual. And so I, I didn't do it as to set an example of what people should be doing. I think some people took it as that. Um, however, what I'd say is, listen, talk to someone. Whether it's just you know your fiance, your wife, your husband, your friend, your best friend, um, talk to someone about it because the issue is when we keep it sort of to ourselves, when we don't share it to at least one other person. We don't a, get an opportunity to vent. Venting is actually quite an important part of sort of forming your your thoughts and your structures on these on these views into a constructive yep. manner. It's also a good way of being challenged on that perspective. Uh, and lastly, uh, I think it gives you a little bit of a, a sort of a testing ground so that when you do have to talk about it to someone else, you've already talked about it and it's not a painful experience the first time around. And normally the first person you talk to who you approach will probably be understanding because you'll trust mm -hmm. them to be that person that understands and can, can sort of guide you through how to articulate yourself. So just the simple act of talking to someone, whether it's one individual or your family or even a larger group, that's all I was sort of trying to sort of highlight in the video. And I was talking to the community broadly. Um, but, you know, that's just because I, I naturally felt comfortable doing that. Um, I've done that discussion before, uh, you know, with peers or to myself or, you know, in, in reflective thought. Right, right, exactly. Boom. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's funny you mentioned video, right? Because uh, there's been a uh, to, to to sort of close off that problem, move on to to a next one. Um, yeah, it's been a sort of rise in video content. Uh, I think we've seen <laughs> sort of. Uh, it, it, yes. we, we're talking about the database and and especially of course yeah. the Tableau community, which we're both yeah. part of. Yeah. Uh, Neomorphism had had its month in the spotlight. Everyone's got their modern <laughs> dashboard template ready to clean go. Clean design. Oh, don't clean get design. Started. Don't get me started on clean design. But, but oh now the gosh. pivot to video has started in the world of data viz. Like um, uh, I remember in the sports analytics world and the journalism world, pivot yeah. to video was a huge thing about three years ago. You know, everyone's pivoting yeah. to video. Yeah. Video yeah. is the optimal way to consume content. Yeah. Everyone's watching videos, two to three minute videos. That's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, the, the um, Tableau blogging community is now caught on as well. So um, yeah, I, I actually think this coronavirus sort of um, pandemic has has pushed people um, to explore new platforms, right? Because absolutely, what what were we doing before already? Blogs, and everyone was already reading them. Okay, and mm -hmm. what you found yourself is sitting on Zoom, getting more comfortable just literally talking to someone on a screen. I think I think that's, that's it. That literally you're you're comfortable it, looking right? yourself. Yeah. You're comfortable yeah. talking yeah. to randoms. Yeah. Exactly, and th I know this as someone who's watched himself on videos countless times. The big hurdle is getting over that initial thing, and actually having done right. that, and you know, Zoom a hundred times, having the, the video of yourself in the top right-hand corner, and you know, you kind of stop looking at it, and you don't feel so bad. <laughs> you've got you've gotten over the uh, the digital hurdle, as it were, and now all of a sudden, wow, it's as easy as just doing the same thing, but this time you hit record, 
and you get to see what it looks like before you share it out. So why not, right? And and I, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic for so many reasons. Accessibility, accessibility, mm-hmm. you know, um, I said accessibility twice there. I meant it in two different forms. Accessibility in terms of a different way of people thinking. Accessibility in the sense that some people struggle to read. I myself have mild dyslexia. So I, I mean, really it's, it's, struggle it's, to also, read the long also blog English, yeah. There's also English... Um... People that have English as a, as a second language, right? Yes, we, yes. People that are, you know, you're, you're able yes. to bring in and pause and, you know, with, with video, you're able to show people what you're doing. Yeah. And, my, you know, that, that, that visual transcends language, right? My, my second biggest audience on YouTube is India. After United <laughs> States, it's India. And by a very close margin. Yep. And it's two reasons. Okay, English is a commonly spoken language. But I'll tell you what, the transcription on YouTube is unbelievable. Yeah, I think we talked about this in the past, right? I would comfortably let Google translate my videos into any language and tell people to use that as a transcript of my video. I've actually, I literally, I I literally download the transcripts of my YouTube videos and I keep a text copy as as a transcript um, on my computer so I can search my videos. That's how I search topics. I I download the transcript. I save the text note that when I search on my uh, little folder of video nice. content i can see all the videos that have referenced a particular topic that's literally how i work right um and it's 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 that good and okay it's not it's not uh you know you know the tower of babel level no but it's definitely enough for someone to watch that and get the sentiment especially with tableau where you're actually going through something on the screen and you're showing them you know they don't necessarily need to understand everything so it gives you a much much wider audience you can reach as well think about like the most successful um well i mean starting in our community andy kribble's tip videos have been watched yeah. countless numbers of times right because they're so they're yeah. easy to follow andy doesn't Every edit yeah. andy doesn't edit them because he wants people to yeah. see that he also makes mistakes which is i think yeah. a great exercise yeah M- exactly m- moving forward you've got khan academy uh, you've got the yep. entire like plethora of YouTube videos Udemy. of people. Udemy, right. Yep. All of these things are consuming through video for Lin- a reason. Linda, LinkedIn right. Learning. Yeah. Linda.com, Linda. which is now LinkedIn Learning. If you've got LinkedIn Premium, you get LinkedIn Learning free. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's an incredible platform. So, so it, it's, it's, I think it's good because you want those multimedia platforms, right? Like, as you mentioned, right. you, you, I mean, we've talked about it before. I, I like reading your blogs, but, <laughs> but you, you absolutely hate writing them, right? So, so video is a great right. medium for you uh, to be yeah. able to first collect your thoughts and then show people what uh, you're doing. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's, it's an interesting trend. Uh, I think people, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I think uh, I've recorded a absolutely. few videos uh, when I, when I was yeah. at the Information Lab through like tutorials and how tos. I've not done what on actually hit my channel. I went back and looked. Uh, everything's been wiped with my. Um, information lab google account being being destroyed (laughs) so it's okay it's a clean state for me to start Uh, on you're dead to us i told you (laughs) so yeah i I think it's an interesting thing and i I, as i said um as long as you've got many people interacting with this content it's it's only a good thing um this is why podcasts the written word uh public speaking all of these things are important uh books i mean everyone's writing a book these days uh there's another one as, as a good reference point for a lot of people um so yeah it's it's a it's an interesting time ahead like i think lockdown has got people thinking about the ways to share their content and their views so um i'm looking forward to to consuming that that content yeah yeah exactly um and all i can say is listen if you want help with youtube anything reach out to me literally video the thing about video video people is we love sharing information because (laughs) the thing is is that the content is all unique. Like if you do a video, Ravi, about something and yeah. I do a video on the exact same topic, guess what? We'll appeal to two entirely different audiences. Right. Some people might hate there, your voice. Is, yes, exactly. Some people might hate your voice, might hate your style, but they'll love another person's voice and yeah. style. And YouTube gives them that choice. YouTube mm-hmm. just algorithm just loves shoving stuff in front of your face. <laughs> so the more the more we can get more people out there in the Tableau community making videos about the same thing the more people are bound to find the product a Tableau and love it and get involved and join our community. And that is the most, just, just simply put, the most important thing. Yep. And dare I say it, I think YouTube and many other platforms actually have more power to make our community more inclusive because by their nature, they're, they reach a much broader audience and they have yeah, a sure. very, very sort of good track record of reaching wider audiences whether it's the people who consume them or the people who make the content. Just take a simple look at YouTube creators uh, as an example, right? 
they are a very diverse crowd of people. Okay, mm-hmm. they might all come from the same countries like Canada and America and so on and so forth. But they are a diverse group of people. Take the top 100 YouTube creators. They're a naturally diverse group of people because, surprise, surprise, they're not discriminated based on their background. They're discriminated based on the quality of their content. And it's yeah. such a perfect synonymous sort of translation of what we need to happen in the tablet community not that it doesn't happen already but if you want to go to a community where that is already happening yeah you, you want more uh, voices you want you want diversity of thought yeah. you want diversity of yeah. opinion yeah. that this is how you foster a really healthy community so and and f- uh, frankly put you also get to see a face behind the content yeah which you'd argue twitter doesn't actually let you do because no. you just put out lots of visits you might see the little profile icon that profile icon is just a static photo it's just a static sort of piece of content mm-hmm. when you start to hear someone's voice you start to see them on video you start to connect with them in more ways than just a photo okay mm-hmm. you start to understand who they are fundamentally as an individual uh, and i think that's also another really valuable connection sort of this words building you know regardless of the in- inclusivity of the and the um sort of diversity diversity points so here i'm really passionate about video probably more so as you've just figured out um, <laughs> and yeah you know I, I think the more people we can get behind it reach out ask for help there's hundreds of places and hundreds of free resources you can do it as a gif all the way to really high-end produced stuff even better than what you find on you know plural site or whatever you can do it at any level you want shoots in red right like so accessible it's so accessible it's unbelievable um, you can even do it on your phone, for goodness sake. Your phone can edit YouTube videos. It's 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 honestly that easy in today's world. So reach out, ask for help. We'll find a way to get you online. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this this has been a, a bumper podcast, right? Like, we're the, we're, I think we're going <laughs> to call this the unplugged one, given that there's been... The unplugged, yes. I mean, we, we try to keep to the rough structure normally. Um, yes. and, and I'm so, running on Coke here, as you can see, Ravi. So, yeah, that's the, the, the Coca-Cola to, uh, to listeners who yeah. can't see him Coke gesturing. <laughs> Coke <laughs> towards, the drink. Yeah, yeah to, to, <laughs> towards that, the, yeah. Um, the, the red can, cap. Uh, I can ping the... There you go. There you go. There you so it's that. real. <laughs> that's a real thing. Yeah, exactly. Um... But yeah, just before we finish, I think congratulations are in order, Tim. Um, ah, there's a I'm new addition it, to the Nguena family on the way. Yeah, not just yet, in November, on the way, on the way. Um, super, super happy. Obviously, I've known for a while. Um, I've kept it to myself for, for a bunch of reasons, obviously. Um, but yeah, with uh, three, three, three months to go, it's felt like the right time to share. So yeah, super happy. Um, shared it with the community, shared it in a bunch of places. Um, yeah, in case you don't see me or you don't see videos from me, uh, for six months from November, you know why? Because so, you'll yeah. be sleeping every chance you get. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Obviously, we're hiding in a corner. One of the two. Well, one thing I was thinking actually just before this podcast is um, we started the year. We're halfway through the year. I think we've done about. Uh, well, this is episode eight, so we've done eight podcasts this year. Um, now, what's the interesting? Season. The season. This season, sorry, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, this this season we we started the year talking about like in a year's time this could be a very different podcast. <laughs> for completely different reasons right? the, the the reasons we talked in about in every sense yeah with the reasons we talked about were not like at all what's happened so far this year yeah. um wow however so yeah <laughs> however yes it's it's absolutely true um the, the, this um this time next like what january next year is gonna be a very different podcast who knows where we'll be and the world we'll be living in but it's um jeez yeah won't be colleagues i'll be a father yep uh so oh man so many things so many things <laughs> so let, let's see let's see what happens it's um it's been a good year so far uh in, in some ways uh tricky in some others um yeah yeah but hopefully i mean we're, we're, we're gonna try and uh loop this back up again the, the podcast so do send yeah. in any suggestions we for should, topics um, we should do a year in review actually um we should take our beginning episode take all our predictions and sort of see how they played out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I wonder if we did make any predictions. So, but we definitely should at the end We've of this season. We've made a few. We've made a few loose ones. Yeah. Yeah. Let's so let's definitely do that. But um, uh, thank thank you for listening. I think what what as I said, please do send in any suggestions for topics or any comments or feedback on, on this episode. Uh, we'll be yeah. we'll be getting back into the swing of things over the next couple of months. Um, so hopefully you'll have a few more bits of content content in your podcast, just as long as uh, Tim remembers to upload them. Hey. <laughs> i'm on the case i'm on the case jeez oh my gosh no it's, it's right. good are it's we good. are we done yet are we done yet can i we, think can i get off this microphone can yeah, i hang no. up on you more to the point <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a podcast uh take care everyone and hopefully see you in a couple of weeks time